Hello, and welcome to the Divorced Dadvocate, Divorce Support for Dads, where we help dads create a healthy and less traumatic divorce. My name is Jude Sandoval, and I'm your host. I created this podcast in the Divorce Advocate community as a result of my own high-conflict divorce, and because you as a dad deserve all the resources necessary to thrive through this challenging time. I encourage you to check out our website at thedivorcedadvocate.com, where there are resources that correspond to this episode, as well as free access to our membership community, where you will find live meetings, free workshops and courses, private discussion groups, and more. And now on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Divorced Dadvocate. I am Jude Sandoval. Thanks for being with me today. I am, I can't tell you how extraordinarily excited I am today uh, to welcome Dwayne Robert to the show. Dwayne is the founder of the DadSurvivingDivorce.com website, as well as the Dad Surviving Divorce YouTube channel and the Breaking the Cycle with DSD podcast. And Dwayne specifically works with co-parent or, or talks about co-parenting with a narcissistic ex and helps people survive a narcissistic divorce with kids. Now, this is something that's very, very close to me. My ex is would fall in lines with with what we would describe or what we will describe as, as narcissists. So, Dwayne, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Jude, thanks for asking me on. I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you and talk to your audience. Yeah, so we were we were talking a little bit uh, offline about the, the the audience and and divorced fathers. Oftentimes, and and I know this was my case that it's just very soul searching time when you're going through a divorce or right after a divorce for a, a numerable different reason different reasons, but figuring out how to then parents, you know, be a parent, a single parent when you've had a household together is a challenge for many men. And then co-parenting with somebody, uh, somebody else is a challenge. All these things are just really basic challenges. But then you throw in something that might be described as a personal personality disorder like this, and it makes it even exponentially more challenging. So, Let's let. Can we start by just describing or maybe defining what uh, what narcissism is? Well, yeah, absolutely. And th- there's a big misnomer on narcissism, right? Everyone has it. Everyone uses a term, and they're starting to overuse it, right? Typically, mm-hmm. when you think of a narcissist, you think of somebody that is self absorbed, that they're they're overtly out there. You know, you might think about it with their, they're constantly, you know, posting pictures on Instagram and it's just this, this very self-inflated ego. And, right. or, or if you look at politicians and, and, or different other public figures, you'll see that type of behavior, but it's a lot more nuanced on that. And there's also, there's just narcissism, which some narcissism is healthy, right? I mean, you're supposed to have some interest in yourself for self-preservation, right? I mean, if you just completely give everything away, then you could end up living under a bridge. I mean, you know, until <laughs> right. someone takes your spot under the bridge. Right. But th- so people overuse the term, but then it rolls into 
there is an area under the DSM-5, the Diagnostic for Statistical Manual for Therapists, which I am not a therapist, mm-hmm. but what people normally when they go through this, you end up researching a lot of stuff because you're trying to find out what happened in your life. But there is a section in there that talks about personality, cluster B personality dif- disorders. And what falls into that is narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, uh, histrionic personality disorder, and I think uh, psychopathy. And the reality is, is that when it gets into the into the area where it's destructive is mm-hmm. where it really creates a problem. And, and then the other part of that that's really a problem, especially for NPD type people, is they typically don't seek care because they don't think they have a problem. They don't, they don't generally get diagnosed. So oftentimes you're stuck in a situation where you're like, oh my God, what happened? How did I get into this situation? How did my, my, my sweet, well, we'll talk about in the terms of, of, a, of a wife. I mean, your, your sweet, innocent little butterfly of, of a spouse has turned <laughs> into this you know, demon monster is what it feels like. And you're completely blindsided. Well, the reality is if you're dealing with somebody who has these traits, they spend most of their time curating their life, even to you, their spouse, and basically drafting a fantasy land. Mm -hmm. So it starts out strong. It starts out with all the, if you've looked into it, I'm sure you have, but you know, there's love bombing and, and future faking and mirroring and all the different techniques that are used to effectively hook you to, to to become at the beginning, the person you really were always looking for. But the problem is, is it's a facade and it's not maintainable. So it starts to degrade over time because you always can't, you know, you always can't have that fake face on. Right. And then it slowly degrades the relationship. And typically what happens is it takes a lot of time. My, my situation, it took two decades where it slowly degrades and you're not even realizing it. And, then you get towards the end where you start realizing something's wrong. You finally, typically what happens is if someone will set a boundary or they'll say, look, things have got to change. Mm-hmm. And the second a narcissistic or borderline type person, and there's difference in the two, in the two uh, categories, but fundamentally they both, the second that they realize they no longer have you, that the mask has fallen, that, oh my God, you see who I am. Yep. It's like in an instant shuts off and they can go from, I love you. I love you to you don't exist or I hate you. And you're the most horrible person in the world. And for the person who spent any amount of time in love with and dedicated to a relationship, that isn't, that will emotionally send you off the deep end. A lot of times, especially if you don't understand what you're dealing with. Right. And, and, and let's also clarify a couple of things in that narcissism isn't just like you said, somebody that's out there, that is very boisterous, that might be confident. You see, you might be described as like Hollywood stars or CEOs or, or, or people like that. There's, there's different types, grandiose narcissism, vulnerable narcissism, and they're, and they're very, very different in, in how those individuals present. Can you, t- can, you, can you define those a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the, the first one, I mean, the, the grandiose or sometimes it's called overt is what you typically think, you know, right. it's a person who's like, let me talk, dominates the conversation, you know, me, 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 and, and discard or disregards pretty much anybody in their sphere of influence. The vulnerable or covert. The problem with that one is it's a lot more, I, I consider a covert a lot more dangerous yeah. and a lot more um, uh, sadistic because mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're like watching you like a hawk 
checking what you're doing and then like, okay, how do I gauge my message? What do I say to get you to do this? I mean, it's very manipulative. Right. And often, I mean, it's the other parts easier, right? You can look around and you go like, okay, that person's an, an is, is right. not good. Very easy and, to identify the grandiose narcissist. Yeah. You see him, but the, the other ones will come in and they'll be your friend or they'll, they'll, they'll tell, like I said before, they'll, they'll come in and they'll look at you and they'll, everything that you like, they like. But they don't. But but they do it in such a way to where it seems like, oh wow, you know, you're really into this type of style of music. Oh my God, I've loved that my entire life. Right. They, maybe they never did. Right. So, but they're doing it in such a convincing way because they're watching you and they're analyzing your responses like in real time to know right. what to say to try to get underneath your skin to to get you to believe the false narrative that they're putting out there and effectively suck you in. Right. I, I, I uh, liken it to a, a confidence game or a confidence man that will like play the game and look and try to, you know, try to work their way into you, into you, your life and your, your mind and try to set, set that all up for their benefit. Yeah, it's like a long con is really what yeah. ultimate boils down to is, I mean, and, and you'll look at that and you'll watch TV shows on that and you're like, oh, OK, well, this person's scamming people. So they're they're playing on their fears They're playing on their interest. You know, they, they're, they're doing a lot, the same thing, but in a relationship, one, you're not expecting it. You know, Mm -hmm. you meet somebody, however you meet them, you have some chemistry, you develop a relationship and you're assuming that both of you are, are starting this from a baseline of honesty and integrity. And you don't realize that it's not, you're, it's not now, typically you're going to see signs. And most people that I've talked to, after uh, after these experience, most of the time to a T, you can look back and you can see the warning signs. It's like, oh my God, now that I can see it clearly, I can see from day one, all the little nuances, all the little comments that were said that really told me what I was dealing with. But because it didn't fit the package that was being put out there, I just discounted it or I thought the person was just being overcritical of themselves. The really scary part or the, the reality is, is, is the vulnerable narcissist or the covert narcissist mm-hmm. will typically tell you all along the way who they are, what they're, what they will do to you later to a T. And it's like, but you, when they say it, you don't believe it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Right. And it goes back to that saying, if, 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 uh, if, if they tell you that they're going to do something to you, they're going to. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these signs. And, and, and I think for, for this conversation, let's focus on that, that vulnerable or, or covert Co, uh, covert because the grandiose is it's it's been it's been covered so much we see it on tv we see it in movies we 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 read the articles about it they're they're very easy to they're they're very easy to spot and i think probably if you call them on it they most of them would probably be like yeah you know that's probably a pretty accurate yeah I, one thing i just want to add on i think the other problem with this is societal in that it's it's pretty much accepted that you kind of expect, you know, like, well, we'll, we'll just use it with uh, like men typically fall under the overt thing. So you kind of like, Oh, okay. That's, that's the way they are. And women mm-hmm. are more, you know, potentially, I don't want to say manipulative, but it's like that, those character traits. And uh-huh. so, so it's kind of like you're already baseline to where you've like already accepted it. Right. So if you meet somebody and they're trying to, to manipulate you, to get you to do something, even if you recognize it's like, well, but that's just, that's just the way it is. And I think it's it's really important for people to realize that there's toxic behavior, whether it's mm-hmm. overt or covert, and there's appropriate behavior. 
And yeah. we all need to learn to discern the difference and basically say, I'm not going to allow that in my life. It's not right. That's not, I'm not going to put up with it and have a healthy boundary on it so that you, you effectively can either catch it early on or put a stop to it, or at least say, okay, this person is not somebody that even deserves to have a, a space in my life. Right. That's a, that's a great point. And, and, and I'd like to talk about techniques and, and tips in a little bit about how to set boundaries, what to do when, when dealing with these people. And, and I also wanted to be, I want to be clear with the, the, at least the men in my audience, I know your audience is, is more mixed, but uh, this is, this is something that is, that is very prevalent in, in women. So this is not just a, a, a male thing. And they've even shown that the trait neuroticism, which, which women score much higher on than, than men is, is something that is an indicator of the, of the, the, the vulnerable narcissism. So be aware of, of what's going on. Be aware of this. Don't think that, Oh, it's not, she's not, narcissistic because she's not out there being this grandiose, flamboyant, confident person, because it's actually right. the, the, the vulnerable covert is more based in insecurity and, and a lower uh, self self value than, than it is in an overinflated uh, self value. So for, for the men out there thinking, Oh, well, this isn't something of my, that my ex might be, or just pay attention to it. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, if it's as prevalent, if not more prevalent, and it's like you said, much more dangerous, not only to you, but to your children as well, because your children, and this might be something if we have time, we talk about that they're having to deal with too. And it is extraordinarily damaging. Yeah. I think one of the, the, you know, when you're dealing with this, I mean, obviously going through a divorce is stressful, no matter what. And, yes. But there are people that are that can amicably, for the good of the kids, say, "Okay, you know what? You're going left. I'm going right. That's okay. You know, we're we're on div divergent paths, but they're still emotionally mature enough to where you can actually co-parent, where you can actually work together, and it's a cooperative thing. Right? Now, th that's out there, right? I mean, the the not, the, not with the narcissist, but the, exactly when you're dealing <laughs> with somebody who's toxic or who has, yeah. you know, and and most of the time. People aren't diagnosed with these things, so you're gonna if you're if you're out here and you're you're looking at it going, oh crap, what am I dealing with? The likelihood that you're gonna get a psychologist or a therapist mm -hmm. to diagnose your ex and then hand you a piece of paper saying what they are is 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 highly unlikely. Right. You're gonna you're going to have to basically look at patterns of behavior, see what's at, you know what the trends and what's real what you're really experiencing, and then make the determination on what you think you're dealing with. And just to, to come back to that is if you're dealing with somebody who's an ex and they are combative and it's turning into a high conflict divorce, that's not, and especially if it, la I mean, if it lasts a long time, and granted, you know, I mean, whatever happens, people get angry, but they have a tendency to get over it. Right. Somebody who is like this, you will deal with this for the duration of Yep. The rest, I mean, basically for the rest of your kids' lives, they don't change. They don't have yes. an aha moment. They don't wake up one day and go, wow, you know what? Because I'm, I'm fighting with Jude all the time, this right. is making my life complicated, his life complicated, and the kids' life complicated. We need to stop this. The right. problem is, is they really enjoy the chaos mm -hmm. and they'll perpetuate it for you. I mean, I'm, I'm going on nine years on this and it, I yep. don't, 
it doesn't affect me the way it used to. It definitely right. doesn't affect me the way it used to. But the same games that were played nine years ago are still being played today. It's just, the only thing that's changed is the way I interact with it and the way I basically coach people and uh, put videos out on how, how to deal with this so that you minimize the impact that these okay. people have on your life. Absolutely. It's been eight years for me and the same things I was describing to you, the text I'm getting this morning, eight years later, the same, same game, same things, uh, same yeah. attempts that were happening uh, eight years ago and in, in, during, in, during the divorce. And so, go ahead. No, I was going to say that the thing you have to remember is a, a person who falls into this category, especially on covert narcissism, they they need the chaos and they mm -hmm. need the attention from you. Right. So they don't, I mean, Hey, you, you would think that someone would say, Oh, I want positive attention. I would rather this person <laughs> be nice to me, but all they want to know is that they matter in your life. Even if it's just to make you, un, you know, make you miserable to lash out. Like what you, what you were talking about before is, you know, with your current situation right now, I mean, it's like throwing these things out there and the, by design, what it is, is to try to get you angry to say, right. to, to respond to to acknowledge that they're they're there and it's really yeah. hard for people who don't have this problem to deal with it because you're like i just don't want to deal with the chaos come on can't we just calm down can't we just i mean god all we have to do is just a little tiny bit of communication you know yeah. we don't have to be friends but can't we just stop this and they won't because they they need the chaos well in positive communication not just communication for the sake of incessant texts and, and emails right, yeah. that are that are badgering or otherwise manipulating in some other oh, yeah. some some other manner. So let's let's just talk let's talk about a few signs of the the, the vulnerable or, or covert narcissist. You know the easiest one right off the bat is actions and words. Right? Okay. If if somebody is saying something like like typically a vulnerable narcissist or a covert will say, oh, I love you. You know, I would never do, you know, of course you mean something to me, right? And they say it kind of like that. You prob probably some of your audience are like, holy crap, he just channeled my ex. And <laughs> the, the, the reality is, is when they say something, do their actions back it up, mm -hmm. right? Are they doing things that actually demonstrate what they're saying? You know, if they're saying, of course I co-parent, but then you, you and, they, and what's really weird is they can say they can look right into your eye and say it with such conviction that you find yourself after the conversation going, "Am I losing my mind?" Yeah, I mean, it's right. like uh -huh. I, I know oh, yeah. this, I know that this isn't real, but they, yeah. they say it with such conviction that it's like I must be losing my mind, and it drives you crazy. Well, it makes you question your sanity. And I know Absolutely. during my divorce, and and for the men that are going through divorce right now, that I was like. Is there something? Am I missing something? Am I not? Am I not? Because it's all in, inconsistent. And so, with that, with that type of person, would you would you agree that 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 pointing out the inconsistencies in words to actions is is a is a positive? Not that that's going to change. And let's just like let's just again preface this that you're not going to ever change this person so these are these are coping mechanisms these are tools and tips that allow you to to make your life and your children's lives better and easier to to get along with but you're not going to not going to change anybody well there's two answers on that i mean so the, would you would you okay well i would say the bet okay so the thing is the best answer i mean for anyone listening to this i would say no 
But here's the problem okay. with it is until you convince yourself what you're dealing with, it, it's, you can't just wake up one day and turn everything off and, st- you know, basically start over, right? I mean, what I mean is, is that you were in love with this person. You had a relationship with this person. They meant something to you. And as we were talking about before, that these people can turn it off in an instant, it's most normal people can't. So you're going to have to convince yourself what is real. Okay. So, sorry, your video dropped, so I wasn't sure if we... Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's okay. Our, the audio will just keep going. And Okay. No, so anyway, so sometimes you have to confront the person just because you're trying, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, this isn't true. The problem is one, let me just say this right off the bat. If you suspect that your, your spouse or your ex has a personal personality disorder, do not under any circumstances, tell them that you figured out what they are and that you think they are, you know, a narcissist or borderline or whatever. Do not do that because it's, it's almost like a tactical advantage, right? If you, it's like that, that Intel, if you have any, if anybody listening is past prior <laughs> service, you know, when you, you have operational security, that's one of those little tidbits of information you need to keep to yourself. Because if you share it typically to a T from everyone I've ever talked to or coached that's made that mistake, it's made things significantly worse. Now, if yeah. you feel that you need to like, okay, if I point out this patterns of behavior and how the, the inconsistency between the actions and the words, then my lovely little butterfly will see that, you know, we can fix this relationship and have a better, stronger communication. Is it going to happen with a narcissist? No. no. The, but the problem is, is most people can't go from you're the devil to, you know, to, to that point without actually basically reproving to yourself that it's happening. An analogy I use sometimes, you know, you take the hot pan, you got the hot pan on the stove, you grab it, you burn yourself. Well, normally you burn yourself once and you're like, okay, that's hot. And you, Mm -hmm. and you, you make the connection. Unfortunately with this and there's trauma bonds and there's other issues that result in it is like, you end up having to touch the pan. Ow, you burn yourself. Okay. Well, did that really burn me or was it something else? You touch it again. Ow, crap. And you end up having to do it a few times to prove, to prove the point. Right. Well, my, yeah, and my, then you got to get hit in the head with the pan before you'll say, oh, <laughs> okay, maybe this person is not going to yeah. change and this is just the, the way they are. So that's a, that's a, fa- that's a fantastic, that's a fantastic point. Just, and, and, and I, and I, t- and the men I work with all the time that they, when they run into this, they just say, well, you know, she's, she's, she's served me documents and then she's taken them back and then she's going to serve me again. And I'll say, Hey, look, she's telling you, like you said earlier, she's telling you what she's going to do. She said she's going to destroy your life. She's going to destroy your life. So, yeah, be down and prepare. Pay, yeah, pay attention and and prepare because if you're not preparing, then you're not preparing for your children. And so, if you know, and I made this mistake, and I'm I'm speaking from huge experience here. I was like, why would I? Why would I destroy my? the parent of, of, or the mother of my children, why would I want to do that in a divorce? Right. Why would I want to go through this and, 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 and essentially go to war and, and go to battle in this? Why, why can't we figure this out? Just understand that your rational thinking is not happening on the other side of this. It is absolutely different. And so if you think, you know, you get burnt once, if they do, if the action is take, take the action for what it absolutely 
Yes. Well, and, and to go back to that covert manipulative methodology, oftentimes what they'll do is they'll play those games and it's just to almost see what they can get away with. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, I've done this. You know, we started out here, you know, we started out at the, the, the fantasy land and systematically it's like, okay, well, I'm going to try this. How does he respond to that? Okay, well, oh, that was too far. He got too mad. So I won't do that for a while. Right. It's like it slowly wears you down. And then when it gets to the point that it's this catastrophic, nightmare it gets real i mean it it gets like you were just talking about stuff like okay well i'll file and then i'll pull it back Mm -hmm. or i'll say i'm accusing you of uh of domestic violence or Mm -hmm. worse i have some clients who are be have been accused of uh basically molesting their young kids yeah and then pull it back and then put it back out there and it's just this cat and mouse game to try to basically just screw with your mind now the other thing that's really very common on this and 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 this is the I guess the underlying motivation in my mind on why they, they go as, as dark as they do is when they realize that the relationship's over and they realize that you see them, you, you know, the mask has fallen, you see the monster underneath the mask. They're like, Oh my God, this person is going to expose me. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to undo that is to destroy you and your credibility so that when you go out and you say, my ex is a psycho, People are like, yeah, you're disgruntled. Yeah, you know, right. you know what I mean. They, it, it's it's to undermine your credibility. And and if they can start saying you're you're an abuser or you're an emotional abuser or basically just tarnish your reputation, the whole goal is that when you go out and you say, hey, this is my story, people are like, yeah, you're lying. You know, and yeah. and that's that's a big case on this. And and this is why it's critically important at the early stages of this that you understand what you're dealing with, that when you burn your hand, you realize, okay, that's hot and that's a problem. Mm -hmm. You understand what the quote unquote game is and you don't fall for those traps. It is critically important that you're able to maintain your profession or not professional reputation, but but, but maintain your reputation, maintain your credibility and the stress and the anxiety and the fear of all this erodes it. Mm-hmm. It's a common thing. I mean, your whole world has been flipped upside down. You don't right. know what side is up anymore. You're being accused of things that you've never even, you're like, holy crap, I would never do that in a million years. More than likely, you're being denied access to your kids. So, yeah. you know, you're dealing with, oh my God, parental alienation is happening. And it puts you in a state that, that unfortunately, if you, if you don't stop yourself from that, you just feed into the narrative that's going on and you unwittingly start almost validating the stories that the ex is saying about you. You are, you're undermining your own credibility by your actions. Right. And, and, and I want to, I want to add something in here to you. And you said, don't, uh, don't identify it. Don't, don't tip your, your hat uh, to it as well. And, and don't say anything to, to your children about it. This is not something to, oh, to discuss right. with, with your children. And I think that's important because, what what you're probably going to run into on the other side is an ex that is going to do a lot of that with uh, with bad mouthing you, with uh, talking negatively uh, about you to them because this they get wrapped into uh, this whole uh, game and charade with them and uh, and the best thing that you can do is is not get sucked into it and that is incredibly hard when yeah. you're getting hit from from all from from all directions and then you have the most some of the most precious beings in your life asking you questions about what uh you know what your your ex has said about you and what you're doing and why you're bad etc 
Yeah. And the other thing I just want to throw out there, because I think a lot of people think that the parental alienation aspect of this is overt, that the ex is sitting oh. there going, you know, your dad is a monster. Your dad is bad. It's not what happens. It's very like going back into the covert and narcissistic type traits. It's very manipulative and coercive and minor. It's not like, oh, your dad's, you know, your dad's horrible and he doesn't do this. It's like, oh, I wish your dad would, it just, I wish he would just be more involved. I, all I ever wanted was him to be involved in your life. Right. And it's, the, it's those, those little nuggets that are just planted. It's like incepted into the little child's mind. And it's like, oh, okay. And so a lot of people think that they're being overtly destroyed by the ex. You know, it's like, oh, you're, and, and sometimes that happens, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are times that I think the majority of the time, it is a lot more covert and manipulative and subtle. I've had right. my kids right now, I have a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And I've had conversations with them at varying, varying stages. It's like, oh, mommy never says anything bad about you. You know, you never, <laughs> never, never. And then in the course of the conversation, there'll be something that's just horrific. And it's like, well, how is that not bad? Right? I right. Mean, so it's very subtle. And the, the bottom line, just before we move on, I, I just want to say, if, especially if you have kids, focus on your relationship with them. Absolutely. What's the going on with the, with the other parent or with the moms in this situation is it's not that it's irrelevant, but focusing on that is going to hurt your relationship with your child instead of, instead of, uh, increase the bond, give your kid, give your child your attention and your time. Yep. You know, if you can't, I mean, if dinner is top ramen because you've been financially ruined, Mm -hmm. Make the most of it and make sure that you're making the eye contact. You're having the physical connection with your kid and you're, yeah. you're present for them. That, that is so important when you do that and you have a, uh, somebody trying to alienate you, it makes it so much harder because the kids seeing that there's a difference. What right. often happens is, is they get primed covertly for how you're going to respond. And then when they they're with you and it's like, for instance, if, if someone says, oh, I wish your dad wasn't always so angry or so, you know, so uh, depressed or whatever, and then they come over and then you're, for completely different reasons, you're exhibiting those behavioral traits mm -hmm. in the kid's mind, it's validating what the other parent said or what right. in the situation, what the mom said. So if you stay focused on that and you can start to undo this. To hear the rest of this episode and access the corresponding resources, visit thedivorcedadvocate.com and become a member of our community. It's free to join and will provide you with the resources you deserve as a divorced or divorcing dad. Thank you for listening. God bless, and I'll talk with you next week.